Hello and welcome to the Leading the Line podcast. Uh, Chris here, and I am not joined by a guest, but I've got my good buddy back, Campbell. Uh, Campbell, how you doing? Yeah, I'm all happy, giving away the rant we've just had off air, but it's <laughs> <laughs> all fine. I still get a bit of sun, so yeah, all good. Yeah, we should stress the rant wasn't about women's football, it was about everything else that goes on in Scottish football at the moment, but uh, yeah. Good, uh, good to have a catch up, man. There's been a lot of stuff happening, so we thought we'd better have a, a wee chat about it. Um, we've also got some extended thoughts from uh, Bobby Watson from Hamilton Ackies and Ryan McConville at the end of the podcast about the investment of £250,000 that has been granted by James Anderson. Wonderful gesture, Campbell. Um, we kind of got a little bit of a head, well, I got a little bit of a head, early heads up for it, and then obviously social media popped off. Um, what was your initial thoughts when you heard about it? Um, it's, it's obviously a positive, as we're seeing. I was talking the other night, it's it's definitely a positive that there's money coming in and we'll get into a bit more and I know obviously the men's game, there's more money comes into that but I was a wee bit underwhelmed by the amount obviously that's going to the men's side of things staying what we're seeing in the women's game but we'll get into a bit more but it's definitely obviously a positive that it's the biggest ever investment into the women's game in Scotland so it's, it's definitely a positive that we've got that but part of me still obviously that wee bit underwhelmed with just the fact that it's almost a donation that's just going to seem like we put one at the men's game they're going to, need to make it look like we're saying something about the women's game so it's positive but I'm still a wee bit underwhelmed by it uh, Well I'm going to be the, the yin to your yang Campbell because I, I think it's a really good thing um, it, could, it would have been really easy for him not to do anything I think it's probably fair to say mm-hmm. um, the money that's gone in 250000 so it's going to work out roughly there's a chunk of it that will go to SWF for kind of maintaining the game overall um, it's going to work at roughly 14,000 for SWPL1 clubs, about 6,000 for SWPL2 clubs. Um, I think it's a really good thing. You could have just went, no, sack it. I'm not going to bother. Um, obviously, he's got his he's got a reason for investing in the game across the board, and it seems like all good. Um, one of the things you mentioned, obviously, is like the amount. I, I think probably for me, expecting more than that, considering it's the biggest in history, I think idealistically, I'd love to say, yeah, we'd match it front up and we would just get straight back to action. But I suppose you've got to kind of, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> Campbell just spun himself upside down as we're talking and it totally popped me. <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah, I think it's £250 for where women's football is in Scotland just now. I think it's it's pretty good. Um, in terms of the, the kind of money, Campbell, as, as I said, it's like 14000 dish for SWPL1, 6000 dish for SWPL2. Um, what... What what do you think that kind of investment's going to mean for clubs? Um, I mean, it also makes a difference. Like you look at, as we're saying, when you, a lot of the games you're obviously basing it on crowds and things. And the women's game, we know obviously we've said, going to all these games at the crowds, and they're not great. So you're not making too much money. So the fact it's coming in, obviously, it's it's still a big amount, as we're saying. So it would definitely be good for the clubs to keep them kind of running. Obviously, as we're saying, at every level across Europe, across the world, it's it's tough. Observing that's going on yeah, with the virus stuff, and when there's no income coming anywhere, obviously it's hard to sustain it. So it's definitely it'll be good for that, and it means that they're still able to play whenever we can fully get back to it. Yes, again, you expect to be distanced, but it's in terms of that, it's all definitely positive. It's not money that's not going anywhere in this way, because we can it can move into the clubs, it can help them with sort of running cost. And obviously, there's not too many clubs in Scotland that are paying anyone. Obviously, as we're saying, a few professional clubs and what have you, but they're all good for just sort of helping the fact they can all run and for training equipment and everything like that. So it's it's definitely positive in that aspect of we're seeing. And 
clubs can use it wisely and FWF can use it wisely, then it can certainly be a, a good investment for the future. Yeah, I mean, uh, one of the one of the criteria of the money is it can't go towards uh, paying professional players, which I think is good because I think the again, ethos behind the donation was about the sustainability of women's football and not losing momentum. And I think we've both been concerned over over recent times that maybe the noise around women's football after that big push at the start of the year maybe died down a little bit. Um, but it seems that there has been some stuff going on in the background to help with that. Do you think there was also a big outpouring of social media support? Um, are you like me and a little bit like, it's great that that's happened, but when the game's come back, are you waiting to see how that translates when football comes back? I, know, I, mean, I think it's kind of similar to last year when we had the World Cup and we thought there'd be a, kind of a boost in crowds and things like that. And obviously there was, there was a, you'd see it even at games where it wasn't huge numbers, but it was definitely more folk appearing. And I think it's sort of, yeah, it's kind of similar that you're not expecting wholesale changes, but definitely just smaller things, like like as you're saying there, at, um, through social media and things, people go, no, oh, that's good, it kind of, let's get more money at clubs, we can go and watch it and things. So it's, it definitely helps that you're, you're bringing more, more money into it and more, um, more attention to the game, certainly. Again, it, obviously it's hard when you get no football coming back, but whether women's game comes back earlier than the men's or whatever, obviously we're not too sure yet. It can maybe go, right, the first football back, most people are going to go and watch it and hopefully it then help to go. And obviously, we've seen it ourselves, like the men's and women's game, it's going to be different everywhere, but it's, it's not like we're watching crap games. There's definitely good football being played everywhere at a level where it's enjoyable to watch and we've been hoping that most people to come there. And it's helping the players as well when they get back, they're all playing football the way football should be played. And if we can get more people to come and watch it, then it's also going to help the game again. And same way, if anything's coming word the mouth and you can see that the quality is good, well, people are going to be there. And then if the money can help towards that or help keep the clubs at that high level, then we can certainly be all for it. Um, I was listening to the Sports Sound podcast uh, from today. I think it's today. From somewhere, it's had Stephen Thompson and Leanne Crichton on it, the, the Championship duo. And she was talking about how she felt the kind of support from outside of women's football had been kind of non existent during this period. Do you think that's a fair shout? Um, it had been obviously the um the the money coming in from James Anderson. Is that his name? What was yeah. his name? Was it? Yeah, James right. Anderson. I always think of the cricketer. To be perfectly honest, every time I see it, right, that's, that's what <laughs> I don't like cricket for the record, but I know. Um, no, there was obviously there's there's not been too much noise anywhere. Obviously, in saying the men's game, there was only a few or whatever. The votes and what have you at the women's game sort of went under the radar a wee bit and James just kind of made that difference putting the money in and most folk are talking about it a bit then but I think Leanne's right as well and what you're saying that it's not always been talked about too much and we had all the build up at the start of the season with the changes in structure and everything that was then getting more folk to come and watch the games and there had been an increase in crowds as we're seeing in the early cup games and league games and then it just almost went under the radar again for the money's come in. So hopefully that keeps it at that level where people know about it and most people come to watch it and things as we're saying a minute a minute ago there again. So I get what she's saying, yeah, it definitely did go under the radar, but hopefully with the investment and most folks talking about it again, it'll get back up to sort of the level we were aiming for again at that season. Yeah. No, I think she definitely had the point. It it has certainly felt like while all this shenanigans has been going on in the men's game, which we know we, we are both interested in as well. It's not that we solely watch women's football. Um, but it's uh, it's definitely felt like the, well, all that's been going on, it's been a bit of a backburn. I've also felt 
sometimes when these kind of joint response group statements have gone out, it's almost like we need to put something about women's football in as a kind of footnote to just say, look, we are, we are including you in it. So yeah, it's good to have that kind of heightened, heightened profile. This has led to kind of lots of things that have been kind of going on in the background, Campbell, that are all kind of wrapped up in this. And you've mentioned one of them already, which is about how women's football comes back. And it's looking like, nothing is confirmed, but it's looking like we might be moving towards a traditional winter season. Um, we obviously only have one game down so far, um, uh, the open game season. And since then, we haven't had any women's football. I I know your opinion on this, Campbell. Um, so what's, what's your take uh, on uh, moving to a traditional winter season, if it happens? And of course, presuming that we can get football back in some way, shape or form. Yeah, obviously we've spoken we know some players and things that prefer a winter season but for me personally I think we've all the time that you're trying to grow games trying to get more attendances and things and then with the fact you've got the men's game in the summer in the winter sorry obviously in Scotland we know people really love their football and the men's game is their main sort of thing that we're going to go and watch that so when you've got these games in the winter we've seen it even towards the end of the women's season where they're playing games on a Sunday and it could then clash with the men's team and folks simply are not going to bother to go and watch it. And I think the women's summer season works well because when people miss the football, obviously in the men's game when it's often the, sort of in the middle of summer, the close season kind of thing, you've got the women's games there, people are then going to go and watch them. And if folks turn up and watch them and they're enjoying the quality and things, then they're likely to go back. It seems anything if you like something, they're going to go and watch it or do it again. So for me, I think putting games in the winter, it's some, you can see certain positives of it, but I just feel the fact that when you've got games that are then potentially clashing with the men's game, folk are always going to go and watch the men's one. So it's, I would rather it didn't go to the winter season, but if it does, then you can obviously only support and continue to do it the way we and other folk are. But I certainly would be, I'd be against putting it into the winter. It was up to me. Yeah, I mean, I think I was of that opinion for a good while. And then obviously I've been doing all these kind of podcasts with players, which is great, and speaking to some people about it. And a few things have kind of been highlighted to me during the course of that, which means that I am very much more open open for it to, to be tried. I think there's a thing where you can share costs. So sponsorship, for example, bulk buying strips will become a lot easier because instead of having to maybe buy 20 shirts for the men's squads and then 20 shirts for the, girl, for the women's squads, you can just buy them all at one time and get, get a bit of a discount. Everybody loves a bit of a discount. Um, players seem to be in favour of it. I know there's been a couple of surveys going out and it seems to be the majority of, of players and clubs are kind of pushing in that direction at the moment. Um, I said nothing is confirmed. There's kind of been very regular meetings about it uh, just now. I think I do have a couple of concerns. Um, obviously, with some of the criteria just now for SWPL clubs, I think SWPL 1 cover in Seton is good, but in SWPL 2, that's that's not the case and you can still sometimes turn up at an SWPL2 venue and it is just an astral park and considering that the investment has been made and the, the kind of card that has been played by by anybody in Scotland football that is a professional is more professional now I think if we are going to move towards a winter season and move it in line with some of our contemporaries uh, and some some countries that maybe are contemporaries are still going to use a summer season we need to make sure the facilities are in place to make sure that not only the players and officials and anybody else involved with the clubs are there, but the fans are going to keep coming, as you say. We have been in some pretty wild conditions um, for women's football. I think stuff like having cover... Have, I mean, I'm not, I, I always stand at the football if I can, but I understand people like having a sit-down. So having somebody can have a sit-down, 
getting some hot drinks if it's like minus four on a December afternoon because the end of the day it's mainly Astro Park so most of these games will be on most of the time as well um, I think it's just making sure that that fan experience is the top level it can be um, if we're going to move to that winter season there will be challenges clashing but I suppose those challenges have always existed before as well so I uh, I am more up for it I think one of the things somebody said to me as well was that actually if you look at that period from when they moved from winter to summer and then looking at doing it the other way around again not that much has changed in terms of like number of bodies coming to the crowd other than the last couple of years with obviously the World Cup boost Scotland started to do it even, even better as well but I mean if you if it was to happen at Campbell what would be like the one thing that you'd be like this has to happen unequivocally uh, for you in terms of getting on board with the winter season uh, I think it probably comes to sort of make sure the facilities are suitable for watching the game like to the players it's their focus is obviously solely on the game, so it doesn't matter whether it's 20 degrees outside or it's minus five and snowing. Their focus is on how they're playing the game. Whereas for folks sitting, I mean, we've seen even at the start of the season there, obviously the weather was horrendous in fact with the cup games. For us sitting, and for fans obviously sorry, sitting there watching the games, it, it's never great when you're, you're out and you've got no shelter and things. So you, it definitely has to be, for me, as you're saying there, you've got to make sure facilities are suitable to go and watch a game. It's, it's Scotland after all the weather's never going to be great so when you're sitting watching the game and it's like minus five degrees and you're just freezing soaked through you don't want to be standing with no cover because people simply don't want to do that and they're not going to obviously stand and watch the game so as long as the facilities are suitable and if you move to winter then that's the way it goes fine but you have to make sure that it's, it's viable not only for those on the pad but also for those watching it because then as we're seeing a lot of games in England, Spain, Germany, things like that, behind closed doors football, it's nothing without fans. And obviously, you're not going to get, not getting as many at the women's games as we're seeing, but it definitely makes a difference having people there that want to watch it than it does at a pitch where it's soaking, there's no cover and there's nobody there watching you. So, as, as long as they can definitely fix it, that it's suitable to watch a game, then that's got to be sort of the main aim for me. Yeah, I think fan experience is really important when you're attracting, especially when you consider one of the ethoses is obviously making the game accessible to, to the youth and all the way up. Um, so making sure that's that's accessible is, is certainly something. I've been trying to think about how football will come back, because obviously at the moment we were talking about the fact that the league goes on and it's kind of empty stadiums. We've got virtual, we're not going to have virtual fans at the SWPL. Um, we might get cardboard cutouts, you never know. We might get some enthusiastic fans to do that. But... I've been trying to think about ways that women's football come back because obviously there's lots of cost involved. The money that they have got will help, but it won't sustain for a long period of time. Maybe only maybe do like until the end of the year potentially in terms of getting football back. And one of the things I was thinking about was hubs, like having hub stadiums that kind of can host venues. But one of the things that was suggested to me was that they would have to also make sure they have enough changing rooms and there's enough space in between everything. For example. New Douglas Park because that's used by the men's side although they've got all the stuff in there they need all the space to kind of make sure that all the teams stay separated would you want to hold off until everybody could play at their own ground or would you be keen to see if something more innovative could come out, uh, come out the back a bit ahead of this I mean safety is obviously everyone's priority no one's want to go out and catch the virus or anything else and you know what to rush it back into a stage where you're, you're too focused on getting the game back and then no one's safe enough to do it. So, I mean, obviously everyone would rather their games were played in their own stadiums with fans there. If you can't fans in at least where you play. So, pubs maybe work for getting games back. But 
again, it then includes travel and things that it's tough for anyone to travel cost and seem the money will make a change for now, but how long that last is a big difference again. So I mean we'd be off anywho, so I mean if players can if teams think sorry can wait and then come back to where they should be playing, I'd probably rather we can get it back to as normal a stage as possible than we would for hubs, obviously we'll, we'll get to that about certain tournaments things being played at one or two grounds uh, across every level. But I think this as normal as you can get it would be best rather than rushing back into hubs that could then probably cause more problems than it would be worth in the first place. Like you mentioned there, obviously, make sure there's changing room space and things. That could work at certain grounds, but you need to make sure everything is definitely it's safe enough and it's, it's viable and it's going to work for the game to get back as normal as we can, can expect it to be um, whenever football may come back. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, despite the donation, which we're obviously extremely grateful for, cost is still going to be a massive, a massive thing for women's football whenever it returns and whatever guys it returns. Um, I tell you what, you kind of like insinuated it, so let's move on to the next bit, which is Glasgow City, who found out that the Champions League will be on, um, that the games will be taking place in Bilbao and San Sebastian, beautiful part of the world, one of my favourite places to go uh, ever, um, and they're scheduled to play Wolfsburg on either twenty first or twenty second of August. The problem is that the, the influx of uh, funds that they've got from uh, James Anderson won't, won't cover it. And there is a, a possibility that potentially Glasgow City might not be able to go over unless you can raise their funds. And um, for me, that's just not right. And it feels like there should be something done, not just necessarily Glasgow City. Like, I'm just, Glasgow City will be all over this. I think that's probably very fair to say. But I mean, at a kind of grateful level, if they're making this edict around the tournament, that they should be looking to ensure all clubs can get there. I mean, I was not surprised that the women's Champions League was going to come back because they've held off on it for so long. Um, but what, what was your thoughts when you kind of saw that news uh, the other day? It's definitely been talked about, and then we've seen it at the men's Champions League, Europa League, and things. Then the women's one come back. You were you're always expecting it to appear somewhere, and I think it's definitely good. Just in Bilbao and Santa Cruz, are two good places to watch games. Actually, good to see that on but yeah, it's definitely good for that. Just saying, it wouldn't be fair though. I mean, Scott Booth himself was saying the other day, Wolfsburg are one of the best women's teams in the world, and you would expect them to beat Glasgow City. But I don't think anyone would really want them to be given that buy straight through. And you would sort of rather that City could could obviously go out and play those games, which would just would just be fair for everyone. Um, so we would hope UEFA would maybe sort of be able to, if City couldn't themselves, UEFA could sort of help kind of fund not just about every team and going out to play. Uh, in the past region and just making it making it fair I mean City themselves though, they've a great achievement for them to get the quarterfinals and as much as they're not expecting to get anything from that game it's only fair that they get the chance to go and test themselves against some of these best players in the women's game um, and make their sort of attempt at getting to the semi-finals so if UEFA can help it in any way or anyone else for that matter can help City in getting out there then it's definitely got to be sort of the main aim but I think bringing the tournament back and finishing it in these hubs, in this case, would work. It's better than having nothing, certainly. So if City can get the funding from themselves or anyone else, it would definitely be for the best for them and for Champions League. Yeah, I mean, if anybody can put money towards it, I'm sure that they'll be welcomed with open arms at the moment. I think the other thing as well, because obviously... For example, Will Spogs and Wilson have just won the Frown Bundesliga. Coverage has been on BBC Alba. I went a bit graphic staff one day because, you know, the boredom had got to me. And um, 
the, the thing is as well, Glasgow City won't won't be able to play any games before this. So at the moment they haven't trained for three months. They if they do play the game, it won't be until kind of middle towards the end of August. So they need to get back training. So we need maybe what four weeks, proper saying four weeks. So they need to get back in kind of July time. That means that they would have to take anybody that's maybe on furlough, for example, or furlough to then get them back training. Um, and then they can't really play any friendlies. It's not like they can have a bounce game with, you know, another team because there isn't any kicking about. It's, um, I think it's good the tournament's back. I, I just find that my sense of fair play, shall we say, says that if you're going to bring the tournament back, you have to make sure that all the teams in it can can get back and do so. But um, it was quite funny because it's now one-legged as well. It's a one-legged game as opposed to two. So it does mean that if the miraculous does happen, and let's let's be honest, Campbell, I know we're both saying it, but we also both know that, yeah, we're both shaking our heads. And it's, it's, just the, it's just the truth of the situation. Um, anybody who's seen any of the Wolfsburg um, stuff on the Friend Bundesliga will know how good they are. Um, so, yeah. Uh, aye. I just hope they get get the game over there. It'll be good to do. I was meant to be going to the final. I had tickets to go to the game in Vienna. I hadn't quite booked my flights yet. I'd literally just missed that that boat. So I'm kind of glad in that respect. But yeah, hopefully they can kind of get over and, and see that. In terms of anything else that's happening in women's football, it's it's been pretty quiet, Campbell. There's not been that much movement. Um, WSL wise, of course, uh, Chelsea have been crowned champions of points per game. Erin Cuthbert and Jamie Lee Napier getting their getting their trophies. Um, a few players though have been uh, kind of ended their terms at the club. So Christy Murray, Lizzie Arnott, Sophie Howard. There is another one that's totally escaped my head at the moment. Um, do you think you could see any of these players maybe coming back up north? Um, it was one that crossed my mind. I mean, we've seen sort of players leaving and the sort of positive, positive we've had in the women's game with teams being professional and things, and it certainly makes a difference. And, you maybe expect that one or two when we think, right, I'm at that age now, they are maybe left, probably still, could still play in the WSL, but they've always still left um, clubs in there, and you're thinking, right, maybe I could move to a Glasgow City Rangers or Celtic kind of thing. There's definitely a possibility some of these players could come up here. How likely that is, we don't know. But um, it's definitely a possibility. So, I mean... It'd be good if we could see them up here, obviously, the more nationals and good players you see up, bigger name players you see up in Scotland. It's better than the game being, obviously, it's you know, a lot of positivity before the virus sort of put everything back down again. But I would like to see some of these players come up, maybe how likely it is, we don't know. But definitely a fan of some of the players in the game in Scotland again. Yeah, that would be nice to see some familiar faces back up here, but we never know. The the economic, the football landscape, everything is up in the air at the moment, so you just don't know what's going to happen. Um, probably the last thing to talk about is a national team who had their fixtures re-announced. Uh, six games in 74 days, starting in September, away to Cyprus. Um, given the situation we're in just now, Campbell, a part of me goes, that seems like quite an optimistic plan to power through the qualifiers, um, this kind of rash of games probably in amongst the football's back by that point, league games as well. Um, it's going to be pretty intense, but if, if they do happen, Scotland are, are well positioned to, to kind of make it to the Euros when they happen a year later. Yeah. Um, there's obviously, I mean, we looked at a lot of the international reading through Scottish FA's article this afternoon. And 
obviously it's tough for all the Euros and things that have been moved to the stadium next year. Like you're trying to fit all these games in, but it can be done. Um, just saying it can be a lot of games when you've got your league and things back and then you start to squeeze in with that. So it's never easy. A lot of players obviously they've had a hard season for the club and then during it they're going away to whatever different parts of Europe. But the games have got to be played at some point. So just in Scotland they've not an easy group, but it was favourable enough that they would expect to go through. They made a good start to it. And just in the next couple of pictures, they're not the worst. So they'll just be happy to be back playing. And obviously, you saw the sort of popularity and how the game kind of grew a wee bit more when they got the World Cup. So they can get back to the third tournament and of the Euros. In fact, it's only down in England as well. You can possibly get a good Scottish crowd into it. So there's definitely lots of things they can look at and go as much as club football is important for them. A lot of the players get to play for their country at a big major tournament is obviously something that doesn't happen too often. So they'll they'll be happy to play as often as they have to. Yes, it's going to be more as we're saying it's going to be more physically um, challenging for them. But when you're playing for your country, I don't think that's going to be something that people are too be too worried about. So if Scotland can continue the form they've had in the previous international into these new games, then it doesn't matter how often they're playing. You'll happy to find. Yeah, and uh, hopefully come that time, maybe we can sneak in, sneak in with a wee media pass, Camboy. You never know. <laughs> um, no, I think I think that probably does it for this one. I was just to wee catch up. It's been very much on the fly. If you haven't figured that one out already, so we just thought we'd jump on it and have a wee chat about things. Um, Campbell, cheers for coming on. Uh, good to have a wee catch up with you, buddy, on on the pod. And yeah. <laughs> and always you're there with your rapier like wet on the on the send off but um, yeah uh, what I'll do now is I'll, I'll flood in the, the two interviews uh, that I did uh, during the week uh, firstly you'll hear from Ryan McConville for her Farmington head coach and then you'll hear from Bobby Watson who is Hamilton Aki's assistant um, and also on the league management committee we've kind of helped come to some of the decisions that have led to this investment in the game but for now thank you very much for listening there's Tons of interviews going up just now, which is lovely to do. Um, stay safe, look after one another, and we'll be back again soon. Hopefully, soon with football. That'd be even sounder. Catch you later. Okay, I'm now joined by former Farmington head coach, uh, Ryan McConville. Ryan, thanks very much for coming and having a quick chat. Um, how are you doing? No problem. Yeah, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Uh, a wee bit buoyant from the news this afternoon or this morning. So it's given me a wee bit of optis, op, optimism, uh, should I say? Uh, and it's been it's been a great lift for the for the women's game in in Scotland. Yeah, I mean, it looks like um, for people that are listening to this, maybe don't know what the news is. Um, it's uh, James Anderson, the Edinburgh philanthropist, as he's now officially known as, um, has <laughs> donated two hundred fifty thousand pounds to Scottish women's football to help with the sustainability during the the, the COVID um, crisis. Uh, Ryan, I mean, you've met, kind of insinuated it already. What, what was your kind of reaction when you got the news this morning? Yeah, I sort of woke up and I go out from a sort of morning run, and I just got a, an email pinged through from our from our secretary announcing announcing the news from James Anderson and his group. And to be honest, it was, you know, I think I think uh, prior to coming on, all the SWPL one, SWPL two teams we've been on league managers meetings for quite some time now and 
it sort of stuff was repeating itself and it started to get a bit like Groundhog Day, if I'm honest with you, Chris. And, uh, you know, that news this morning has given us a real sense of hope, a real sense of togetherness of, you know, James making that donation to all those clubs and each club is going to benefit from it financially, both SWPL1 and SWPL2. So, you know, it takes a lot of money to run these clubs and we don't have the luxury of of big uh, sponsors, but, you know, this this is groundbreaking, groundbreaking news this morning. And, you know, a lot of credit has to go to the SWF. You know, I'm sure they've been in talks with with the foundation over the last weeks and you know they've they've worked hard to secure something like this and then it get it's awful credit goes to James Anderson and his and his foundation to obviously invest and give us and give us that lift that that was announced this morning. So yeah, I'm sure all the clubs are are very buoyant and I know it's been very active on social media today. So it's give everybody a bit of a lift. Yeah, I certainly felt the positivity today for lots of reasons, not just Scottish women's football. But um, yeah, so the, the, there's going to be some money that goes to the organisation, money to the clubs. It looks like SWPL1 clubs, which for Farmington are, are in line for about £14,000. Um, what what does that mean to, to for Farmington kind of going forward? Yeah, well, we'll definitely be, we'll definitely, uh, be very buoyant of it because we're one of the smallest clubs, if not the smallest club in, in the SWPL1 at the minute. So... All the expense, all the, all the expenditures that came out uh, by a preseason on the player recruitments, like their their flights and stuff, I would say that will definitely go to recouping those costs, you know, and 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 that will help us sort of sort of break even, so so to speak, on 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 those budgets. Uh, you know, I haven't really talked to our, to our committee in detail about it yet, and we will in the next couple of days. But I know. You know the procedures of COVID. It will definitely go towards that, trying to get us back up and running on the on the training pitch if we get into phase two this week. If Nicholas Sturgeon announces that, you know, and then we obviously have to look towards maybe upskilling our coaches, improving our facilities, and and then putting it into some needed uh, areas within the club. And I'm sure over the next couple of weeks, it's a bit exciting, Chris. You know, you get this wee bit of injection of money, and then your brain starts to go all over the place and what you could spend it on or how could you make your team better and in what areas and stuff and utilizing it but it's going to take a couple of meetings to sort it out to see exactly where where it gets spread but I'm definitely a big a big advocate of of it going in within the club and making our club better improving the facilities you know getting us up to those COVID standards and then trying to get not only our Prem team back up and running but trying to get our our whole club back and up and running, you know? Yeah, I mean, of course, uh, the money will... At the, at the moment, the majority of the money has gone to SWPL clubs to use it their, their own will. And I think when I've listened to some of the comments today, sustainability seems to be very much the watchword. In terms of the game coming back, you've mentioned, that obviously, the, the COVID situation and how teams will have to adapt and alter their facility to be to practical for that. What we, we were talking just beforehand about it's been, it feels like a long time since there's been some women's football in Scotland and we're keen to see it come back. How mm-hmm. how far away do you feel that is at the moment? Just from your kind of personal take. Yeah, well, you know, like I said, though the guys, I know Bobby at Hamilton who who, who chairs that LMC meeting, he's done he's done an amazing job and he, he deserves great credit, if I'm honest with you, uh, because he chairs those meetings on a, on a weekly basis. We're trying to find alternatives. We're trying to find solutions, you know, to try and get some games 
on the park again in, re- in relation to where we are with the COVID. Uh, so to be honest with you, no one knows any dates. I'm hoping this week that we get some good news from Nicola Sturgeon and we get us into phase two, which will possibly allow us to train uh, in small groups. We'll get us back onto the grass. Uh, in regards to getting back to match play, you know, it all, I guess it all depends on how quick we get out of these phases and, and how all the the teams in SWPL1, uh, you know, get up and running in regards to the protocols and and stuff like that. And to be honest, the S, S, SWF have really used or they haven't discriminated against anything. They've classed us as a professional league. So as long as we can adhere to all the protocols that the men's teams do, you know, there's no reason why we can't get back. But as you know, the financial issue of that is is massive. So that could be our stumbling block. But definitely a step in the right direction today with with the foundation giving that donation to, to women's football. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Ryan, thank you very much for taking the time to jump in a call. Very quick notice this afternoon, but I thought it was important to get some insight from uh, some people involved in the game. No problem, no problem. I'm now joined by Hamilton Academic Assistant Head Coach, uh, Robert Watson. Uh, Bobby? I'm just gonna say, I'll call you Bobby. Bobby, how you doing? I'm good, I'm good. Bobby's all right. I think Robert's, Robert's pretty official. Like, that's when I'm on, like, you know, my SWPL rep. I'm Robert. Uh, but the coach, I'm Bobby. So, yeah. Bobby, we'll go with Bobby. Sorry, Bobby. Um, I've spoken to Ryan McConville from Fort Farmington earlier today um, from SWPL1 and obviously Aki's SWPL2. Um, on the back of the news, uh, James Anderson, uh, the quote-unquote Edinburgh philanthropist, has donated £250,000 to Scottish women's football. Um, what was your first reaction, Bobby, when you kind of saw that news? Well, obviously you've been kind of involved in the background because uh, you head up the LMC as well. So what's, what's kind of come, what's been in the journey to get to this point, actually, first of all, maybe? Uh, so, for for those who don't know, the the league management committee or the performing win committee is it's it, it's actual title is a performing win committee, but a lot of people just prefer it to the as the LMC. So I represent the eighteen Premier League clubs on that committee who really are there to administer rules for for lack of a better sense. If there's a dispute amongst rules or how should a rule be interpreted, it's it's that committee that decide and there's seven of us that sit on it. Myself, two from the championship, <clears throat> a chair and three from the SFA as reps as well. So uh, it's really interesting. I've done it for the last couple of years. Uh, see all sorts of things coming up and it's it's really good to see you know, what affects different parts of the game. That's why I enjoy it. And, you know, uh, I'm really passionate about the game. I've been in it 12, 13 years. I've been in women's football now. And, you know, as, as anyone on that committee will tell you, I do get quite passionate and, uh, and putting, you know, in supporting the SWPL club's views and want to make sure that we are, as SWPL clubs push forwards, so that uh, they are pushing SWF and other bodies to also help us do that. Awesome. So yeah, so the the two hundred fifty thousand pound announcement came out this morning. Um, what was your what was your reaction when you found out the news? Uh, obviously, you know, Mister Anderson putting it putting it forward is absolutely incredible for the game. Uh, I think he's turned into the sort of white knight of Scottish football at the moment, and it's just it's amazing that with all you know, when you take a step back and look at everything that's going on in the world, then you have someone who's willing to put that amount of money into the game across Scotland as a whole is. It's a, it really is an amazing thing, and you know I think that people 
need to remember that. And obviously, as a club, we, we welcome that incredible gesture to, to women's football. Yeah, so there's uh, different amounts depending on where you are. So some money will go to the organisation, obviously to try and keep that ticking over uh, in the interim and look towards getting it restarted. Um, SWPL clubs are due about 14,000, SWPL to about 6,000. What what does that do for, for Hamilton Ackies uh, in terms of that kind of money? I think for us, I mean, it's, you know, any, that, you know, a four-figure investment's a significant sum for a lot of clubs. Uh, you know, especially S, you know, SWPL and the champ, you know, level, it's, it means a huge amount to us and it's going to, you know, we've yet to sit down and discuss. We're still sort of taking that information in. I've uh, spoken very briefly to one of our committee members this afternoon and it's, you know, something we're going to sit down and, and really make sure that this money makes a difference to our club in the best way that we can. Uh, how that's going to look, we've yet to, you know, really delve into that yet. Uh, but obviously, a, a really difficult time. We kind of feel that there is light at the end of the tunnel coming forwards, and you know we're looking forward to working with SWF and the other clubs to kind of overcome any sort of further challenges that we're we're going to come up against, and make sure we can get back to playing football. Speaking of getting back to playing football, um, obviously at the moment we're not playing any, which is. Tough going. We've seen, obviously, uh, Germany, for example, the Bundesliga has been back and leagues across Europe seem to be coming back in the men's side of the game. What's what's your thoughts in terms of the women's game in Scotland coming back? Um, we're anticipating we're probably going to change the, the calendar a little bit, but in terms of the game itself coming back, what, what do you see happening? I think that, uh, first of all, a lot of it's going to depend on how the government moves through you know, kind of phase two, phase three, phase four of their comeback. Uh, obviously, testing is something that, you know, we'll probably need to do to get back. And it's about judging the right moment when to come back and when clubs can afford it. Uh, and I know there's a lot of work going on behind the scenes, uh, you know, and we're just waiting some, waiting for some confirmations, really, and see how much that's going to cost. And then that really informs where we go from there. Uh, but I'm hopeful that, we get playing before the end of the year. Uh, the idealist in me says for the start of kind of quarter four of the year, so around about October, I would love to see that happen. I think that's, uh, you know, for me, something I think we can hopefully look at and maybe find a sort of common common goal to move towards and try and get kicked off for that date. But it is going to be difficult. But again, the Premier League clubs have been meeting regularly since the start of April. We've had a lot of discussions around about this and obviously with the, the announcement today from Mr Anderson and that really gives us a, gives us almost a mandate to really now go and, and move forwards and try and make something happen. Um, I've asked it long term, so what, what do you reckon is the, the next step in that, in that process in, in terms of getting the game back? I think we just, you know, the next step will be is all the clubs to go and, and look at their infrastructure, which is something Premier League clubs have already been doing, you know, looking at the SPFL protocol that we're going to come under to get back to playing football. And it's really then just looking at the game as a whole and, and see where we can go from there. Uh, there is still, you know, we, we need to come together and have these discussions still, because ultimately we need... You know, we need teams to get going together. If if one team can get going and no one else can get going, then you know we still don't have have football to get back to. So it's about working together and you know getting going from 
the shortest point possible, but also the safest and the best point for the game as a whole. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, thank you very much for that, Bobby. Much appreciated. Thanks. Thank you. It doesn't make me smile.